continue into it next week. So um, thank you for that. All right, so we have about an hour uh, to do some Bible study, and um, let's get to it. Any qu- any questions? Any? Oh, Vicky was waving. I thought um, she's got a question. So awesome. Meg, any questions? Bob's here, so there's got to be a question. So um, how about Meg Hua? Anyone been reading the Bible? You don't want to just start sharing all the verses, Bob. I wrote a blog today that's long enough to preach for the for the whole hour, probably. Um, so you should never put blogs on Facebook. So, but I, I'm like, I don't got time to read through all that stuff on Facebook. I'm like, no, I'm like, nobody reads that on Facebook anymore. But uh, um, anyway, um, you got to have an outlet sometimes. So, um, all right. Well, I guess we'll go home then. questions about my speaker I'll hold hold that for a second so let me go through the ground rules for everybody which don't even intend to do so theory Bible study authority is the Bible no questions about my speaker just a question about me and uh, if I don't have the answer um, I think then so um, or email me so anyway that's a lesson that Ryan taught us oh wait I'm sorry do we have a handheld tonight oh right behind me you probably don't want to talk into this, but it's helpful. If you don't, Bobby won't be able to hear you. You're just talking to it. You might go back a little bit. Yeah. you asked that uh i'm glad jeff is here actually i was just thinking that's a good question for jeff um so i'm gonna let jeff have the mic on this because there's a lot of cool stuff to answer here and jeff is well versed in this hey you know what i am i can't i'm distracted by this and that was so i know that was so cool it was so hot it's a tan light sorry to get distracted on that the short answer to that is uh, medical science has proven that the blood does not come from the mother, but that the blood comes from the seed of the father. And at no time during a normal pregnancy does the blood of the mother commingle with the blood of the child in the womb. So, um, so as far as the blood of Jesus Christ is concerned, uh, his blood is God's blood. Because I believe it's in Acts 23, or is that the verse? Anyway, it talks about God's own blood, and that's where that's where Jesus Christ got his blood. So that's why it's called innocent blood or pure blood, like uh, what it says in the uh, first chapter of First Peter. So the blood comes from the comes from the seed. So when the Holy Ghost uh, overshadowed Mary, and uh, the Lord Jesus Christ was formed in the womb, however that however that happened. Uh, his blood was divine blood. So that's kind of the short answer to that. There's a long one, too, that Jeff has preached on. It's really good. Uh, what is that in Acts again? Uh, Acts 23. Oh, 
Paul it's where Paul, it's where Paul's talking to the Ephesian elders before he goes to okay. Jerusalem. Yeah, Acts chapter 10. And then uh, he, he mentions about that God purchased me with his own blood. I'm not really sure what the verse is, but uh, it's verse 26. Wherefore, I take, I take you to record this day that, no, that's I'm fearful in the blood of all men. Uh, yeah, verse 28. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. Um, that's not the verse they were referring to either, right? That, that, is, that is the verse, okay. purchased with his own blood. Purchased with his own blood. Yeah, so it says Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. That is God's blood. That's right. what it says right there in Acts. So, so the blood comes from the seed of the man. That's a medical, that's a medical term. Did you know that then? Okay. So for those that are just entering in, uh, there's a question about the blood of Christ. Uh, you're going to whoever gets the next interaction. So you're, you get the mic. Until, until no, you can be our runner. Oh, Vicky, Vicky will hold it. So, so the, the question was, you know, initially was the child and its mother share the same blood. So what would the Jews do with that, right? Because the Jews didn't know. But... The, the fact that they, so Jeffrey's pointing out the scientific fact that they don't share the same blood. The father shares the blood. So it was divine blood from the father. So he did have, he was all human and he was all God. It's just in there's a, a the, the humanity of Christ and the deity of Christ is, is put together. He was the God man. Um, which gets a little bit into what I was talking about Sunday morning with the method, not believing he was a man, he was a God. But anyway. So so the question was, what did the Jews do with that? They had to believe by faith, you know, that this was the Messiah. Now, the Jews were going to have as much of a problem as, as many of us probably because the Jews were looking for a Messiah that was going to come from the seed of David. So they were looking for a messianic seed because that seed's been promised since Genesis 3.15. And so uh, the, the problem wasn't a mess- messianic seed. The problem was when that seed says, oh, and by the way, uh, now some, many believed it would be the Christ is God with us. They understood that, but they didn't believe Jesus was that seed. They, he wasn't the seed they wanted, right? So it's like, well, wait a minute, you're, you're Joseph. You're, this not, no, this isn't Joseph's seed, although obviously it didn't. And a lot of them didn't know that he was from Galilee, or they, they assumed, I'm sorry, he was from Galilee because he grew up in Galilee, but he was born in Bethlehem. So God had it all fixed for anyone like Nicodemus who wanted to delve deeper and find out all the prophecies line up on that. It's mathematically just not possible. Uh, and so I presume guys like Nicodemus, but what was convincing was his words, and then as they dug into the research, they found out, oh, his words are true, and he fulfills the prophecy. He was born in Bethlehem, not Galilee. Because that's what they said, you know, in John chapter 8, where, you know, we were, were mocking him, saying, you're not born of fornication, assuming that Joseph was the child. And also assuming that he came from Galilee, which he did not. He wasn't born in Galilee. He was born in Bethlehem, literally in the, in the town of David, where David was settling in Bethlehem. So uh, the city of David, Jerusalem, but David was born in Bethlehem. So all of those prophecies lined up. <coughs> I don't know. Does that answer your question? Probably not. So the average Jew, um, you know, I think the miracles were what convinced them more than anything. 
Carl's son, who just took that position. Uh, a lot he lost a lot of them with his divinity. If he's trying to be a god, which is his pure body, as we know it, and the ones that even that think about his disciples who did believe him, they peeled off their coats because they're like, "Well, right." And so, drink my blood and eat my flesh. Now he's explained that to his disciples. So right after that, uh, where is that passage? Uh, that's uh, is that chapter. Matthew 16, is that that? John 6, let's look at that. That's a good example. Why would Jesus be so, you know, he's obviously trying to run people off. And uh, why is he doing that? So in John 6, um, he says, um, you know, he's telling them he's the bread from heaven. And he's also, they've got the analogy of the Exodus, remember, carrying manna and all of those things as well. So he's he's dealing uh, well fifty four and verse sixty six you know six 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 is where a lot of people can't go any further with this so let's just let's just skip over a few things here um, I'm just gonna I just I want to start I don't want to rehearse all of this but I'm gonna pick up a verse and then skip ahead if we go back just for context go back to verse 22 well let's go to verse 1 so after these things jesus went over uh the sea of galilee which is the sea of tiberias so he's up north and a great multitude followed him because why because they saw his miracles which he did on them that were deceased uh, as i was saying so they're following jesus because of those miracles um and he says and jesus went up into a mountain and there he sat with his disciples and the Passover feast of the Jews was nigh. So when Jesus had lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he saith unto him, Philip, when shall we buy bread? And so you know the story. He goes through and he feeds the multitudes. Now you get over to verse 21 or 22. Um, uh, it says, In the day following, this is after they crossed the Sea of Galilee and Jesus saved them out on the, ocean, or on the Sea of Galilee. The day following, when the people which stood on the other side of the sea saw that there was none other boat, there, save the one wherein to his disciples were entered, and that Jesus went not with his disciples into the boat, but that his disciples were gone away alone, howbeit there came other boats from Tiberias, namely the place where they did eat bread after a dishevelable eating thing. When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, neither his disciples, they also took shipping and came to Capernaum, seeking for Jesus. And when they had found him on the other side of the sea, they said unto him, Rabbi, right, so he's teacher, uh, whence camest thou hither? And Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, ye seek me not because ye saw the miracles, or ye seek, I'm sorry, uh, I say unto you, ye seek me not because ye saw the miracles, but because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. And so he's he's letting them know, guys, you're, you're not really seeking me for the right reason. Um, verse 27, Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for the meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, uh, for him hath God the Father sealed. Uh, then said they unto him, What shall we do um, that we might work the works of God? And Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that ye believe on him who uh, he hath sent, which of course is himself. They said therefore unto him, What sign showest thou, Jesus our sign, then, and that we may see and believe? What uh, dost thou uh, what dost thou work? 
verse 31. Our fathers did eat manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not the bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. I'm sorry, yeah, gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. Kind of like they're answering to God. If that's what it is, then give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on, on me shall never thirst. Uh, but I, <clears throat> I said unto you that believe, that ye also have seen me and believe not, and, and all that my Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. He is that man we talked about this last week, right? Cast out and chastises his children. For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is my Father's will, uh, which hath sent me, that all which he hath given me, I shall, uh, I shall lose nothing, uh, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, <coughs> that everyone which seeth the Son of Man, uh, believeth on him, may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. So he's, he's tying this together. I'm the bread of life. So he's tying together the fact that he's the bread of life. He says in verse 31, the Jews then murmured at him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. <coughs> and they said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? Getting back to your question. Um, how is it then that he saith, I came down from heaven? You can just hear the sarcasm in their voice. Right. So there's the answer. They didn't bo- they didn't buy it, um, especially the the. Uh, They didn't believe that he came down from heaven. Verse 43, Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, Murmur not among yourselves. No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draweth him, and I will raise him up at that last day. So he keeps going back to the resurrection, the resurrection. I'm going to raise him up at the last day. If they believe on me, they'll raise him, resurrect at the last day. It is written <clears throat> in the prophets, and they shall be all taught of God. Every man therefore... Uh, So, sorry. No man comes unto me except the Father which hath sent me, draw him, and I will raise him up in the last day. Verse 45, it's written in the prophets, and they shall be all taught of God. Every man, therefore, that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. Not that any man hath seen the Father, save he which is of God. He uh, hath seen the Father. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. And then again, he reiterates, I am the bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven, if they don't believe. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, 
which I will give for the life of the world. Now, we can look at that in retrospect. We know exactly what he's talking about, giving the life of the cross. But he says in verse 52, the Jews therefore strove among themselves. So now it's Christ, the fighting, right, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? You know, they want to know, is this guy a cannibalism? Is that what he's talking about? What are we talking about? Um, then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except ye eat the flesh of, of the Son of Man and drink his blood, uh, ye have no life in you. So he doesn't even back off a little bit. You know, like when the preacher goes, Yeah, I think they're amazing. My brother reads literary fiction. I'm explaining it in a way they get it. He's like, No, I'm going to double down on that. I'm just going to push a little harder. Okay, now let me make it clear. If you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you are in sin. Why would he do that? That's a good question. No one's going to answer that. Okay, so so whosoever eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life. I mean, that sounds crazy. There's a church that believes that, that teaches that. I mean, not not spiritually, physically, but it's there. Uh, and they reenact it every time they have meals. Um, and, uh, and so... Uh, he says in verse 55, For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in, uh, and I in him. As the living Father hath sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. These things said he in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Okay, so who is he talking to? Who's the audience here? The Jews. And he's in the synagogue, right? So this is the place of worship. And he's talking to religious people. And what he's basically doing is challenging them. And, and he's, he's, he's giving them an analogy he knows they're not going to, they're going to struggle with because they already don't believe it. Um, and so uh, he's, he's like, okay, but this isn't just for them. So he's going into parable mode. That's what parables are. Parables reveal truth, but they hide it. They hide it from the antagonist, and they reveal it uh, to uh, not the protagonist, but those that are sympathetic or, or faithful and faith-filled. So no, notice what happens here. He says, uh, "When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples knew not, as it as as it <coughs> added, I'm sorry, he said unto them, Doth this offend you?'" So now he's going a different direction. He's saying, hey, guys, you having a problem with this? Does this offend you? Because they're trying to get their head around it. Sometimes when you read the Bible, Jesus will say something. You're like, huh? What do you mean hate father and mother? You know, I, what? And, and you know, you, I mean, come on. You think I say some things that are crazy. This is, read the Bible. <laughs> Jesus is, he will push you. Uh, so let's see what he's doing. Verse uh, 62. What, what and if ye see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? Question mark. I told you I came down from heaven. What if ye see me ascend? It is the spirit that quickeneth, and the flesh profiteth nothing. So right here, Jesus defines it for him. It's like, okay, settle down, guys. Verse 63. I am the word of God, so I'm, I'm going to go ahead and settle this thing. <laughs> so, not me, by the way. I'm saying Jesus is saying that. I'm not the word of God. I'm dumb. But I'm saying Jesus is like, hey, uh, listen to what I tell you, disciples. So now he gives the disciples insight, and he defines what he's saying. There's a reason that in the synagogue he said this, and he's so dogmatic about it. He wasn't lying. 
Jesus, but he wasn't backing off. He wasn't saying, well, let me, let me break this down really simply. Let me give you, this is a type, and this is what I'm explaining. And so when I talk about the manna, I'm saying that I'm the manna, and when the Passover comes, I'm going to die on the cross, and I'm going to be your Passover lamb. I'm also the bread of life. I'm also the resurrection and the life. I'm, I'm also the rock. You know, Paul's going to write about it in 1 Corinthians 10. Just wait and see. Uh, you know, he doesn't do any of that. He just, like, <laughs> puts it out there. Why? Because they're not receiving. He's already told them, the only reason you're here is because you don't want food. You're not looking for spiritual manna. You're not looking for a Messiah. You're looking for someone to fill up your baskets. You know? So he's, he's already told them that. So he's like, I'll fill up your baskets. I'm the manna from heaven. But now his disciples are going, what? what? You're talking about cannibalism? What's that? And Jesus is like, oh, wait, wait, wait. Wait a minute. Hold up. Let me define it for you. He does take time with his disciples to give them their insight on what he's talking about. So he says, it's the spirit that quickens. When you see that verse, quicken, if there's a passage that comes to my mind, it's Paul wrote, right? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. You have to quicken. If we read that in text chapter 4. How do we get quickened? The Holy Spirit. That's right. When does that happen? Yeah, the moment you accept Christ as Savior, you get you get quickened. You get brought to life. And so that's what he's talking about. He says this, it, it, it is the Spirit that quickens. Just like God takes and formed Adam and Eve from the dust of the ground, it says in Genesis, and he blew into their nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Boom, he quickened them. He brought them to life. And so, uh, and so <clears throat> he says, it's the spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. So right there he's saying, listen, the flesh profiteth nothing. This is not about my physical body, although his body was, you know, I, I do think was unique. He was all man, but he was also all, I think a normal man would never made it to the cross. Uh, he was he was amazing. Uh, he was bleeding out on the road. He he, he had a hard time obviously, but um, he had some sort of stamina. Um, okay, it's hard to kill God, even a fly in the flesh. I mean, it's hard to kill him, but he did die. Okay, so he's but he's pointing out here the flesh profiteth nothing, but what does what is important right is the words that I speak unto you. They are spirit. They are life. They are quickening. But there are some of you that believe not. So there's some in the synagogue that don't believe, but then even he's saying now there's some of you even among my 12 that believe not. So Jesus knew from the beginning. Now, who's he talking about? Who they were that believed not and who should betray him. Now, okay, now who's he talking about? Is he talking about all 12 of the disciples? Who do you think he's talking about? Out of Judas Iscariot, they all they all failed the test of faith, obviously, except for John hanging right over the cross. But yeah, he's specifically pointing out Judas, right? Uh, which is interesting. Uh, and he goes on to say in verse sixty-five, and he say, and he said, therefore said I unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given him unto him of my Father. And now this is the result of this interaction of the three guys with Jew Tiberius, verse sixty-six. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. He was take, he was sending out the, right? Yes, sir. Uh-huh. There's times where there's, there's 120. Of course, in Acts, we see the same thing. It's kind of builds back up. And so um, 
12 spades, and one was a devil. So how about that? So, uh, yeah. So that's people sometimes get forced around the mousetrap. Uh, we pastors are worried about the boogeyman being in the church on the table, and Jesus can roll with it. Jesus has the devil. Jesus is the devil. I'm not worried about it. God will take care of it. So as long as I'm just, I just want to be like John. What, what do you mean? <laughs> you know, who is it, Lord? <laughs> so. Um, anyway, moving on. I'm not kidding. When I, I was telling Sunday, when I was a little kid, I watched the omen, and I literally was in the bathroom going, "Am I in on something?" You know, because in that movie, the kid had this mark of the beast on his head. It was the '70s. It wasn't like today. But anyway, I was worried. You know, am I that kid? Um, I didn't know, but those devils set you off. Uh, we can mean. We get mean. Give John says, "Who is it?" That's the guy I want to be. I want to be John. Who is it? ain't going to be me. So um, anyway, so from that time, many of his disciples went back. And I don't think the word the number 66 has anything to do with that other than he he did run off his disciples. So um, uh, then said Jesus unto the 12, here's the remaining ones, will you also go away? Then Simon, now this is important, verse 68. Then Simon Peter answered him. This is how you know he got the wrestle. Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. So Peter was listening. You know, we kind of make Peter out to be some, you know, big old, you know, he just was a dumb fisherman that was really uh, hot-tempered. Well, he did have seem to have somewhat of a rash, you know, type A personality, but he wasn't stupid, <clears throat> not at all. And the Spirit of God taught him. All things whatsoever he said to him, because when he he realized what Jesus was talking about, he heard what Jesus said when he said, you know, verse sixty three, it's not about the the flesh profiteth nothing; it's the words, the spiritual things, the words. And Peter's like, well, well, wait a minute, you just said your words are eternal life. That's what we need to be eating. So where am I going to go? You've got the words of eternal life, and Jesus is like, bingo, bingo. Now um, <clears throat> that's that's really cool. And so he says, and we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. So getting back to, to uh, Pam's question, what really convinced them was not the theological presence of Jesus. It was the, the faith in what he said, just like we get faith in. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So he could do miracles that were raising people from the dead, and they still rejected him. You know, And he even tells them that in uh, Luke 16. Uh, just kind of keep your finger here. We'll come back and finish, but I won't go through the whole thing. But in Luke 16, I love this passage because it's so practical in daily living. Uh, this is the story or the account of, of uh, some people call it a parable. I don't think it is a parable because he doesn't announce it as a parable um, like he does all the other parables. So <clears throat> he talks about the rich man and, and the beggar in verse 19 of Luke 16. And uh, just to fast forward through the story for time's sake, uh, the ri- they, you know, they both go to the center of the earth because Jesus hasn't died on the cross to bring the cap- captivity captive. And, uh, and so he hasn't led uh, a victory party to the third heaven or the paradise that God is now trying to call. Uh, so so in, in the center of the earth, you have, you have a compartment called Abraham's bosom, and then you have the whole compartment's called hell. But there was a place called Abraham's bosom, <coughs> <coughs> and so 
you couldn't cross it. I don't know if it's the magnetic pole or whatever in the center there. I don't know. But you couldn't cross over. So the rich, the rich man, uh, excuse me, hang on. Okay, so, I think she needs a nap, but anyway, so, uh, so the rich man can't get over to Abraham's bosom, but he wants to send somebody back, right? He's like, hey, you send some, send, all right, so, in addition to just wanting a drop of water out of the sun, which would be one thing, by the way, after death, they're both conscious. This question, we were having this discussion in ACI a couple weeks ago, talking about that question, what really applies, what really applies practically. Okay, we have these sections where we just take theological discussions and we were talking about body, soul, and spirit. So this was an issue. What happens after you die, right? Do you, do you just go to sleep for a while? But it, very clearly, people are, they're conscious. I mean, more conscious than ever. Think about that. If you think you have consciousness now, wait till you're dead. People that are kind of fuzzy on the gospel right now, I don't think I'm going to receive it. I'm still thinking. So wait till they die. Lost to save. We'll all have a lot better understanding of the gospel the moment we take our last breath. And the lost person, which I often say this, the people rooting for me right now to preach the gospel more than anybody else, they're burning in hell. And you think about that. And where do I get that from? That's not just hyperbole. That's not just good preaching. That's what you see in Luke 16. The rich man's in hell, <coughs> by the way, a Jew. Uh, a Jewish man's in hell, and he is like he's like begging somebody to go back and tell my family now's the time to replace the family he's not he's not saying you know god he's not raising his fist to god he's not he knows he's, he belongs there he's he's that's not it he's just saying send somebody back so that's what I'm, i want to focus on here in regard to what we saw in john chapter six check this out he says uh verse this start in verse 25 but abraham said son remember that thou in thy lifetime received receivest thy good things and likewise lazarus evil things <clears throat> but now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot. Look at that. That means there's people in Abraham's bosom that haven't been passed yet. <clears throat> they want to cross over. They're like, man, I, I want to, I, can I just deliver them? I'll give up my, what did Paul say? I, if I could be accursed for Christ's sake, I, w- I would go to hell if, I could, if that would save my brethren Israel. If my brothers would have the same grace that I have, I would gladly go to hell for them and just let them understand. But he couldn't do that, right? And so there, there's a, there is a great compassion by the people, so much so that God says, I'm sorry that the decisions were made. Even those of you in Abraham's bosom that want to cross over, I'm not going to let you. The deal's, the deal's done. Abraham's like, it's done. All right, so, um, so he says he can't pass over. Neither can they pass to us that, that would come thence. Verse 27, then he said, I pray thee, therefore, father, and he means father Abraham, patriarch Abraham, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house, my earthly father's house. For I have five brethren, number of brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, Nay, father, Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. So check this out. Abraham has this down. Abraham hasn't been reading John 6 yet. 
but he, he's fixing to hear Jesus. He's going to show up. Jesus is go- That's where Jesus goes and preaches to the captain, delivers captivity to the captive. So, so Abraham's already got this thing figured out, right? He figured it out a long time ago by faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, right? So he's like, listen, um, they've got Moses. They've got the prophets. Let them, your five brothers and your dad, listen to what the Bible says. It's written in the law, right? The king was supposed to write it out, and he was supposed to listen to what the word of God said. Faith, they've got it. It's all there. It's all in writing. Just just believe what the Bible says. It's amazingly very, very much like what we say today because we're children of Abraham, aren't we? We're children of faith. And uh, so it's amazing. But that's what Jesus is telling them. Listen, listen to the, the bread, the manna, the words. Right? That's what he's telling in John chapter 6. And Peter gets it. He's like, yes, you have the words of eternal life. So Peter was getting it. Faith comes by hearing. All right, so check this out, though. It goes on. So Abraham saith unto him, they have Moses and the prophets in verse 29. Let them, let them hear them. And he said, nay. Oh, no, listen. Again, this shows you something about a man in hell. He's able to reason. He's using his logic. Your, your, your brain capacity doesn't go away. Your, your, what, what really makes you you is not your brain. Your brain's important because it, it helps control your motor skills and your function. Don't get me wrong. But that inner voice, right, that's not, that's not your brain. That's you. That's your soul. That's, 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 and it's, it's, it's alive and well, even going, hey, no, wait a minute. Let me. Let me school you, Abraham. I think there's something. I just came from there. I know this will help. He says, hey, why don't you, uh, uh, if you, if one, when, if, if, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. Oh, well, Abraham's on to some things. He says, and he said unto him, um, if they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead boy what a passage that is because we know obviously when you get to acts chapter six and it's peter or paul himself standing there listening to stephen preach that incredible message what's he saying you guys killed the prophets and you killed the ones the prophets were prophesying about jesus christ and he died he lived and he died and he rose again and he is your messiah i mean paraphrasing it and man they're like you know, they're pulling their hair out, they're ripping their clothes, they're picking up, and Paul's like, kill those guys. So they killed them. Though one rose from the dead. Right, so we know this. They wouldn't receive the word. If you don't receive God's word, you're not going to receive Christ. It's just the way it is. So getting back to John chapter 6, where we were a minute ago, as we as we wrap this chapter up here, he says, Then Simon Peter answered and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Verse 68. Thou hast the words. I like that, the words. I mean, not just the words, not just the mind, just the concepts, not just the thought pattern. I mean, you have the words. You have the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And that's a mouthful right there. Jesus answered them, have not I chosen you twelve? And one of you is a devil. He spake of Judas, so you guys got the right answer. He spake of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. For he it was that should betray him, being one of the twelve. Now this is important because, <clears throat> boy, I could get off into some stuff here, but there's a lot going on here. There's a religion today 
Let me just say, this is a religion today, and a few of you used to be a member of this group, that every time they come, they believe this, that their priest takes a, a cup of, of fermented wine, by the way, and, and, and he turns that when the bell rings into the literal blood of Christ. It's called transubstantiation. And you drink the blood of Christ. And that holds this it's a chariot of works that's held out in front of you. And where do they get that from, folks? Well, they get that from a place called Babylon, Mystery Babylon religion, because there used to be religions that would literally sacrifice people and drink blood. And so uh, th- th- someone missed the memo here. It was Judas. Judas was listening to the same thing the disciples were, but I don't think Judas fully got hold of that memo. And at the, at the, uh, at the uh, <coughs> Last Supper, um, I think Judas didn't fully get it. I think he thought he won. He thought he had it, and he made it in the shade. And it didn't occur to him until he killed himself <clears throat> that, oops, I just made a mistake. I just unleashed the power of God. I thought I was winning, and then I was losing. <clears throat> and so uh, he didn't really realize that Jesus' blood, getting back to the issue of the blood, <clears throat> being shed was what was going to redeem mankind. So when it comes to eating his word, Jesus made it very clear. The life comes <clears throat> from my word, right? Faith in his blood. Obviously, he's a sufficient sacrifice. We don't earn a man out of his blood because his blood is, is huge. We are saved by the blood of the lamb. His blood is important. But we don't drink the blood. We take in his word by faith. And he, he's setting all that forth in the book of John chapter 6. <clears throat> and so um, it's very interesting. Now, it's also amazing to me that Jesus says this in the presence of Judas. You know, that's just rocks my world. I just think about Jesus calls him friend. I love the way Jesus interacts with Jesus because I see that he's just absolutely not intimidated at all. You know, Jesus, I mean, Satan is scared uh, for me. I mean, I don't want to mess with Satan. He's a lot smarter. He's been around a lot longer. Uh, but I tell you what, when it comes to Jesus and Judas, Jesus isn't, he's like, hey, whatever, man. You decide to do what you're going to do, and you cannot outwit God. There is no confidence. Judas is not confident in that regard. As a matter of fact, uh, I don't know. I could have totally grasped everything that Jesus was doing here. Honestly, there's a lot going on. Than I, I think there's a lot more going on here than, than I really could fully grasp. But I do think that what's going on between Satan and Jesus has been going on since you know the fall of the angels. <clears throat> He's just working this thing out masterfully. And Judas is just like that. And Jesus, he is, Satan is not scared. The stupidest thing about Satan is he is not scared. He's not scared of me. He's not scared of you. He's not scared, you know, God bless Carmen's soul. He wasn't scared of Carmen, uh, you know, that, that, that Christian singer who used to, you know, knock him to the back of the couch on his video, you know. Uh, I mean, he is, he is wily. And uh, it's like watching two MMA fighters. I guess that's what we're getting at here. About and uh, really good ones, man. I mean, it's just a chess game. Not, you know, equally masters, really highly skilled. It's like, man, one move turns another move. It's fast, it's quick, it's fast. He's, Satan knows what he's doing. Now, he's no match for Jesus, but uh, Jesus is king, and Jesus knows how to deal with it. Uh, so getting back to your question, Pam, initially, I don't think that, obviously, the Jews, it, it wasn't his birth that was their problem. It was his word that was their problem. And, I, and uh, of course, he did the miracles necessary to manifest that he was Messiah multiple times, over and over, even raising people from the dead. 
uh, every like Nicodemus checked into his pedigree. I believe that uh, because Nicodemus at least follows Jesus. He goes with Joseph uh, there in the field with the tomb, and so he kind of comes out of the closet, so to speak, uh, which is one of the few. And he also questions the Pharisees about judging him harshly. Why? Because he listened to Jesus' words, and he believed he obeyed everything about Jesus. So uh, it was the words that really made the difference. Uh, I don't think if he would have had a perfect pedigree, it would have made any difference to the questions of Pilate. Although, um, <clears throat> you know, if, if they would have just they received one of the things that Jesus also put back on them is do you receive in John chapter 8 do you receive John the Baptist the Pharisees were afraid to say no because everyone received John the Baptist for the most part but John the Baptist said behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world himself to everybody so John the Baptist was the one that acknowledged Jesus who everyone acknowledged John the Baptist was a prophet Malachi 4 is talking to that's it's preparing the way of the Lord, making the path straight, right? And in that passage, it's preparing the way of the Lord, meaning Messiah's coming, the incarnate person of Christ. Um, so I don't think it was a it was hard for them necessarily to see him coming from the seed of a woman, uh, because that was prophesied as well. I think it was just hard for them to receive him because they couldn't see through the words. It was too late to see. So I don't know if that helps you. No, well, they were thinking about, I want another loaf of bread, just like a lot of people today. Uh, they'll take anything for a loaf of bread, another another payout for the treasury. Don't nobody, as long as you get your payout, who cares if the interest rate goes way through the roof? <laughs> you know? So, uh, I mean, it's just kind of crazy. So, uh, people are pretty angry. They're, and when you run out of bread and water, then all of a sudden, the whole world has changed. And so... Jesus is the bread of life. So it's a good analogy. All right. I don't know if that's sufficient of an answer, but I got through one question, I think, somewhat satisfactorily. Um, Jeff really belled us out on that one. Thank you, Jeff, for the, the – uh, Jeff has a really good long version to that, the answer to that question regarding <coughs> how the deity of Christ is mixed in with the humanity. And uh, it's really cool <coughs> because when you think about – it's just cool. There's a lot of neat things to think about. All right. Does anyone online have a question before we leave Bobby? What? Are we going? We should be going straight out to the the, the Christmas lunch. So we're offline. Is that what you're telling us? Oh, Facebook's dead. They haven't banned us yet. Maybe I said something to get banned. Maybe I dug the algorithm too much. That takes you offline. So, yes, ma'am. So in Jude, verse 6, it says, And the angels which kept not the first estate of rest in one habitation, who hath reserved an everlasting torment under darkness unto the judgment of the great judge. So since the angels are Where do demons come from, and what's their origin? And like when Jesus cast demons out of people, um, is there a passage for that? We got the passages for that. So thanks for opening up 
we've got a we've got a can of worms we just opened. So let's just dump them all out and start picking through them. That's a barrel of worms, isn't it? You have things to run. So there's a lot here in that question. So um, okay, so thank you. Um, let's do a little contextual and a first little Bible study context. So I, I just happen to be going through this uh, Sunday morning. So talking about the placement of those the general epistles. And so you'll notice that John, Jude is right before Revelation. Uh, <clears throat> and so there's a reason for that. As in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Son of Man. Not Sons of Man, Son of Man. All right, so, um, all right, so we, we have this passage, uh, which is really interesting. Um, he's talking about contending for the faith, and a lot of things in this passage, you know, in addition to this. <clears throat> and he talks about a standoff between Michael and, and the archangel and Satan over the body of Moses, which ties it also in, which I didn't get into when I was preaching on that uh, in Malachi for, for time's sake, and also not to open up another can of worms in a Sunday morning service where I don't have time to really lay it all out. That would have been a service unto itself. But there's a reason, you know, Michael and, and, and the devil are disputing over the body of Moses. Um, maybe you can hold that for another question though because we're not going to get to that today but there's a lot of things thank you Amy there's a lot of things going on um, there's a lot of things going on where did you get this out of my office I could tell it's from Tiberium all right <clears throat> um, there's a lot of things going on here all right so let's just look at the text and take it as we can sorry I got stuff in my mouth hopefully we can all so the angels which kept not their first estate uh, okay, let me back up. Verse 5. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though you once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. All right, so he's talking about people delivered out of Egypt, and then <clears throat> and then uh, he destroyed them that believed not. Okay? Um, there's a spiritual and there's a physical situation here going on. And the angels which kept not their first estate but left their own habitation, who hath reserved an everlasting chains under darkness unto uh, the judgment of the great day. Even as, right, as in like are two very important words in the Bible, even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh are set forth for an example, uh, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Likewise, also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, and speak evil of dignities. And then he throws this weird story in. Yet Michael, the, the archangel, in contending with the devil, who disputed about the body of Moses, durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke thee. But these speak evil of those things which they know not, but what they know naturally root deep in those things they have corrupted they corrupt themselves. Woe unto them. Here's another bomb. Uh, for they have gone in the way of Cain and ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward and perished in the gainsaying of Korah. Korah, and that's Korah in the Old Testament. And so the, the earth swallowed him up. Uh, these are spots in their feast of charity when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear, clouds they are without water, carried about with wings, 
he who speaks are widows, yet without food twice dead, that is two deaths, plucked up by the roots, raging waves of the sea, foaming out their own shame, wandering it home starved, to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. And I'm going to stop there. Enoch is mentioned in verse 14. So, um, <clears throat> so Enoch preached really hard against these guys, talking about the judgment of the Lord's day coming. He's referring also back to Genesis. Enoch was during the time of Genesis, before Genesis, so about 700 years in. All right, so um, so you got this situation where you have these angels. The, the specific question here is, what about the fallen angels? So you often hear us say a third, a third of the angels fell. So where do we get that? Well, uh, we go to the book of Revelation, uh, chapter Revelation 12 and verse 4. <clears throat> there it is. This is the passage where we know that the quantity. It says, In his tail, uh, that dragon, we know from verse 3, and there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his head. And his tail <clears throat> drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered, for to devour her child as soon as it was born. All right, so that third right there is an important number. I'll also note that in the first part of the tribulation, in the beginning of sorrows, a third and a third and a third and a third, everything's a third. And I believe that's because a third of the angels fell and God gives them dominion on the earth. He gives them, they want their, they want their third too. Of course, there's a third. It's a, it's a signs and lying wonders. He allows it. Second Thessalonians chapter 2. He says, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll let you guys believe a lie. Here, little devils, do what you do. Okay, so getting back more specifically to her question. So we know that two-thirds then didn't uh, follow Satan in this deal. All right, so, um, so what is this third of the angels? Uh, I would say, and I don't know the quantities here, um, but I do believe this. From the book of Romans, chapter 11. Let me go back there. This is going to, I'm going to make a jump. Let me, let me pause on the jump. I'm jumping ahead. So we know there's a third of the angels. So then we would say that two-thirds, right, uh, are left on God's side. There's a rebellion. One of the questions that was asked many years ago is like, well, aren't they, it says here they're reserved in chains, right? And the angels which kept not their first estate but left their own habitation death reserved in everlasting chains under darkness on the judgment of the great day. So the question is, if they're in chains, then how are they able to inhabit people? I think that's the essence of the question. Well, that's a good question. Uh, because not all of them that fell, of that one-third, right, <clears throat> are in chains. So you have, this is, you got a third that fell, is recall, and then you have two-thirds that equals the whole. So of this one-third, right, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, a quantity that left their first estate. That's a good question. That's a good question. Does that mean heaven? What is the first estate? 
Statistics is going to mean large here. Um, so um, we'll get to that in a minute, though. So we've got we've got we've got a third that are out of that have followed this cherub called Satan, Lucifer, Lucifer to be proper. He was a light bearing cherub. So a third they follow him. Now we know that the angels, um, you know, they're celestial. Some believe that they were also they have terrestrial angels. They were called Earthbound. And this would be spiritual. I don't know about all that 100%, but I do know this. In general, angels are called sons of God in the Old Testament. This is important sons of God. You do your own Bible study, and you will only find angels referred to as sons of God. And um, in general, and a good place to see that is Job. You can look it up later, Job 1. Um, and then in Job, Job 2, the sons of God come and they present themselves uh, before God. <coughs> and he comes with them. Well, let's look at that. Let's go back real quick and look at that. We'll get back to Jude here. Now, I'm going to have to move quickly. Um, so, Job chapter 1. You'll notice this. This is undeniable. Uh, and this this holds true through the Old Testament. Um, so, I'm not, you know, if you go do a word study, you're going to find, wow, that's, he's right. All right. So, Job uh, chapter 1, uh, it says that... Um, not get, I, I don't have time to get into all the details of Job and the interaction there, but God's the one who brings up Job, Job's name. Uh, in verse 6 it says, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. So this is a, so Satan is, is hanging out with the sons. This is after the fall. So what, what, I thought they were in chains of darkness. I know, I'm getting to that, so just hang on. I know that's your question. How can they move about if they're in chains of darkness? That's part of the question, isn't it? Um, and, and they came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto, unto Satan, Whence comest thou? And Satan answered, uh, The Lord uh, answered, answered the Lord and said, I'm sorry, then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. So Satan is rolling around in the earth, to and fro, like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He's rolling around, just like he is today. Um, so, okay, just kind of park your car on that, think about that for a minute. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job? While you're out walking around, checking things out, going up and, up and down, back and forth, um, hey, check out Job. There's not a, there's not like him in the earth, a, 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 a perfect and upright man, one that fears God and spirit evil. He hates evil. Why don't you go check him out since you're looking for somebody to target? And so him and Satan get into this match because Satan hates a righteous man. Why does Satan hate a righteous man? I mean, it's okay. You answer the phones. I'm not going to bite anyone's head off. Not easily deceived. Yeah. 
not lied to? Yeah, those are good things. It's all true. Turn over to Luke. Let me give you some. Now, and this goes on again. It goes on in a couple chapters, chapter 3. I mean, if you can get it into context. Go to Luke chapter 3. I'll tell you why. Because i got to fast forward this page a little bit to get to the end. So let's just jump to Luke chapter 3. I'll tell you why here in a minute. And this is important to a church that makes disciples. you got this, you got to get this. This will help you. Under, understanding this question will help you understand your pastor. All right? He says uh, at the end, this is a genealogy, Luke chapter 3. Um, just notice, uh, just 23, and Jesus himself began to be about 30 years of age, being as it was supposed, the son of Joseph. Of course, we know he wasn't, which was the son of Heli. And we're not going to read all these. You're like, oh, thank you, Jesus. But you can read all these. All the genealogies laid out, uh, this genealogy uh, goes back to uh, all the way back through his, his mother. Um, I'm sorry. I think this one goes through the mother, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, Matthew goes through the father. Um, all right. So anyway, that's superfluous. Let's get back down to verse 37, which was the son of Methuselah. Get back in Genesis, the son of Enoch, which is the son of Jared, which is the son of Malil, which is the son of Canaan, which was the son of Enoch, which was the son of Seth, which was the son of Adam. The last verse right here. Whoa. Which was the what? Son of God. That's right. You heard it here first. Son of God. old school but it'll work all right so if you're looking for keys this is it this is a huge threat it's a huge threat because something happened in genesis in the beginning god created a heaven one heaven it's singular genesis chapter one unless you got a perverted bible <coughs> in the beginning god created the heaven and the earth God is lightning and has no darkness at all. Right? He's just, he creates it. He's perfect in his way. Until the day that iniquity was found in someone's heart. So we go to Isaiah. Uh, Isaiah. Uh, what? I just got Isaiah and haven't been to it. A Isaiah. Here it is. I just got to do it so fast I don't know what I'm doing. All right, Isaiah. Um, Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 28. And so in Isaiah 14, we have um, the five I wills, right? And Satan falls. In Ezekiel 28, and then the reference is on that just to lean so I can quickly use for time's sake. And I wish I had, maybe we can come back and talk about this a little later. Ezekiel 28, 11. Say 11 through 19 for now um, deals with this. Luke, uh, the, the, the Satan is in the garden of God. He's perfect. Well, somewhere, but somewhere he fell. 
you know, this guy just said, well, he fell somewhere off of the pier. No, he didn't. I saw his pink hand. Uh, so it did, that is not what happened. Between Genesis 1, 1 and 1, 2, the only place you can put the fall of Satan. Uh, he fell. Uh, and what did he do? Well, he wanted, to, he wanted to rule. I think he wanted to rule the earth. He wanted to be, we tried to do a set, one of our churches once, set up co-pastors. That didn't work. Somebody's got to be in charge. And who's got to be in charge is God. And uh, we, we, God's not going to share Roman Eve with uh, creation with anybody else. <laughs> Lucifer had a very prominent place. But uh, he says, no, I, I think I can take it from here. And he led a rebellion. Um, but he threw this baby young. That's why I say some think that he was covetous of the status of spiritual, because he's a cherub, so he had the face of an ox, the face of a man, the face of, of a, the four faces of Narnia, or I don't, I can't remember. Yeah, lion, eagle, man, and ox, which that's why it's no accident that all the false religions, what do they worship him? An ox or an eagle, right? So uh, anyway, that's a whole other Bible study. So Satan falls between Genesis 1-1. I believe that this happens between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2. So you got the fall. Now all of a sudden you look at Genesis 1-2. What's it say? And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Literally, if you look up that word waters, I don't want to be vulgar here, but it means room. I found that fascinating. Yeah. The same word. Look it up in the Hebrew. Yeah. I know. That's shocking. I'm going to put it here for a second. Huh? Old timers used to say, I'm going to make water. Yeah, and we do say, go replenish your coffee, go recycle your coffee when you're done. <laughs> but anyway, for what it's worth, that's just a little extra. I didn't mean to blow anyone. I, that's just something I studied out one day. I've never, I never really taught that, I don't think, until just now. But just look it up in the, in the Hebrew and look at what they give you for the definition of what they're going to give you. Which I think is actually very good because it's defiled. He flushed the toilet on the universe, on earth. He's like, get this out of here. And now there's, there is, there is a separation. We know from Paul that there's three heavens. There's the heaven with the throne. There's outer space. What we call the second heaven. Then there's the heaven, the atmosphere around the earth. Right? So, and again, I'm just fast-forwarding through a lot of this. will open up lots of questions for more Bible studies. So, so, so there's a play, there's a separation right now in heaven. Now, so God, he sits on the sides of the north, his throne. And I'm just making this simple. And the earth is now his footstool down here in the cosmos, uh, light years away. And, uh, and now all this is happening, and, and God, it says replenish. And by the way, he never creates the planet. Go back and check it out. He didn't create planet. I think that's awesome. It was just, it, he received. It just, I saw that when I studied through a few years ago. I don't know, I must have them 15 years ago. I don't know. Whatever, but I thought it was cool. But anyway, so he speaks everything into existence just like it says. By the way, the light, he says, let there be light. But the sun and the moon and the stars, that's the fourth day. Or that's the third day. So what's up with that? Right? Well, what's up with that is it's spiritual light and darkness. I am the way, the truth, and the life. We know there's a crystal sea before the throne of God. I believe there's a, he has separated the waters from the waters. 
the firmament that he's talking about is outer space. It's not just atmosphere around earth. It is outer space. That's the, when you really take the time to look at this, checking that out, it makes it's just perfect. Uh, it just that's the way the Bible lays it out. Okay, so anyway, he creates man. I fast forward to man, and that man. I'm saying all that to say this. He says all that, and, all, and he he does all this. And all of a sudden, this dude comes out that, that God calls the son of God. Wait a minute. That's my idea, son of God. I'm, what are you doing giving the earth to some other man? I was the one who was in the garden. I was the one. And there was some sort of traffic going on before the fall. I don't know everything. But you go back and read Ezekiel, and you read Isaiah, and there's other prophecies you can read that, that tell you what was happening. There was, there was action on the planet before the fall. Now, Granted, eternity past, right? Even the angels were created. But we know also in Jeremiah that the angels, they, they rejoiced at their creation. And so they were able to see the things get created. So there's eternity, there's just eternity, but there's eternity past is what we call it. There's a marker. And God created the angels. They created beings. But he creates this man called Adam who's the son of God. And he says, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth. And subdue it. Uh, and so that's exactly what he's supposed to. He's supposed to get busy with with Eve. And you know what? He's going to reproduce. What's what's the son of God going to reproduce? Yeah, son of God. All right. Now, there's a reason that's important. Again, I'm, gonna, I'm just giving you quick things to think about. And I'll get back to the third. I'm not I'm not I'm not forgetting the second one because this is part of the answer. So. In the, book of, in, the, in the book of Romans, as Paul's laying out in Romans 9 through 11, I'm always telling you that he gives the prophecy on how God's going to fulfill his, his will for Israel. Well, one of the things he says in chapter 11 <clears throat> is he's distinguishing the fullness of the Gentiles. He says that, um, let's see, for the fullness of the Gentiles do come in 25. Yeah, I would not, brethren, that any should be ignorant of this mystery, this is something that we should know, lest you should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part has happened to Israel for how long? Until the fullness of the Gentiles do come in. This is getting back to your answer. So out of these third, a portion, which I don't have the number, have left their first estate. wonder why they did that. I'll get to that in a minute. I would equate this portion to the fullness of the Gentiles. the Gentiles primarily, not exclusively, but primarily composed the bride of Christ. And we know from 1 Corinthians 15 that it's all about a spiritual resurrection. And we are like the stars of heaven. Oh, by the way, the angels, did I tell you they're stars? Remember in Jude 6, the stars... Stars, it's mentioned there too. The stars in Jude 6, not in verse 6, but in Jude, uh, uh, what was it? Michael the Archangel. Wandering stars, that's what I'm looking for. Verse 
Oh, imagine that, verse 13. Raging waves of the sea, foaming out their own shame, wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. There's some wandering stars that have fallen. Of that group, a number that I'm not, I don't have the numbers, I just know the portion. There's some that left their first estate and they're in chains of darkness. They're reserved in the chains of darkness. This gets into our study of Revelation. We've got three minutes to cover it. All right, so Genesis 6. I'm trying to, so there, let me just kind of set the time. So there's a war on the earth over this seed, and there's a devil. He's real. He beguiles Eve. There's a seed problem. We just, that's a whole other discussion, another Bible study. But there's some problems going on. And uh, when we get to the, when we get to, just to fast forward past that, we got Cain slaying Abel. We got some sin going on, right? And Adam, and Seth is made in the likeness of his dad, Adam. Not in the, he's not in the likeness of God. Adam is made in the image and likeness of God, but after the fall, he's no longer in the image and likeness of God. He's a fallen man. He's not a son of God. As a matter of fact, you're not a son of God until you are born again. In the Old Testament, not one Old Testament saint is a son of God. The nation of Israel as a whole is called the son of God. But the concept of sons of God does it not return again until people are getting born again and become first John. We'll get to this when we get to first John chapter three. But hold on. What manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. There's something about that. Why? Because the image Christ is the express image of God. When we get saved, Christ, the Holy Ghost comes in us, seals our soul. We have the image of God. His seed is in us. And we become the sons of God by faith, getting back to our first part. Because we believed his word. His word in us, Christ in us. That's why faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You re- you're born again by the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. So something supernatural happens when God's seed enters our heart and is quickened. Our heart is like soil, Matthew 13. The seed enters in, we believe it, poof, we're quickened, we're brought to life. We have become sons of God. Sons of God don't get the physical inheritance. God's reserved that for the nation of Israel and the Gentile nations in the millennium, and that's a whole other Bible study. But we get our inheritance is spiritual. The only time I get to reproduce spiritually is now. I'm running around this planet trying to get people saved so they can be sons of God because their inheritance is part of this fullness of the Gentiles. Once it comes in, church is taken out, and we continue on this. That's what God's plan is for the earth because there's a battle right now over the earth. That's what the, the globalist government is all about right now, if you don't know. There's, they want to micromanage the earth, the environment, everything you do, everything you eat, blah, 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 right? That's all part of it because it's going to come down to a showdown. And Jesus is going to answer it. So, end of the story. Time's up. So, what about the third of these angels? I didn't even get to it. So, um, in Genesis 6, let me just give you the cliff notes, and we can come back next week, maybe do part two. Uh, You see that the sons of God, well, let's just look at it. We're going to do a little overtime. If you're online, bear with us. If you need to leave, by the way, right now, I understand. Don't feel bashful about getting up you gotta go grab your kids but i'm going to run this down as quick as i can to finish this up so genesis chapter six 
and I'm packing a lot in here. It says, And it came to pass, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. How did they do that? That's a good question. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, but his days shall be as a hundred and twenty years. Now it says this, There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they, were, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men which were of old, men of renown. Some will say, well, that's the godly line of Seth. That ain't got nothing to do with the godly line of Seth. There ain't no such thing. That is, that is perversion. That is a portion of this third leaving their first estate, which is the heavenly, and inhabiting, transforming themselves. And they're trying to, well, they're trying to overthrow what God has going on in their lives. They're trying to get into the seed life. And that's just heavy stuff. But guys, that's, all you got to do is watch Marvel. I mean, come on. Uh, that's, that's, and they were producing giants. Male, these guys can't, they don't have a female species ever. So they were perverting the human genome, trying to get, get this puppy rolling. So that they can basically overthrow the plan of God. <coughs> and guess what? God says, you know what? This is getting out of hand. I'm going to destroy this. And that's what Genesis 6 is all about. What happened in Genesis 6? I'm glad you asked. So, so a portion of these that left their first estate of that third are bound in chains. And they're weird looking. There's all kinds of sexual perversion going on with these dudes. Not just with women. And so in Revelation chapter 9, fast forward the tape, what are they reserved in, in chains for? Well, I believe they're reserved for Revelation chapter 9 because there's coming a time on this earth when God uses them. Again, Revelation chapter 9, uh, yeah, it says in verse, um, <clears throat> let's just pick it up in verse 6, And in those days shall men seek death and shall not find it and shall desire to die and death shall flee from them. shapes of the locusts, these are like locusts, giant locusts, were like unto horses, prepared unto battle. Half body, oh, they got these crazy horses, they got wings. You say, well, this is some mechanized army. I don't know. I'll take the Bible literally until I can. They're prepared unto battle. On their heads were as it were crowns like gold, and their faces were as the faces of men. And they had hair as the hair of women. And they had teeth that were the teeth of lions. Sounds like a little DNA mixing up here. Well, got a, they must have been down here at the Stowers Institute doing a little research with the DNA theory. I don't know. And they had breastplates as it were the breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was as the sound of chariots of many horses running to battle. And they had tails like unto scorpions, and they were and they uh, were as, uh, stings in their tails, and they and they and their power was to hurt men five months. And they had a king over them which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon, but in the Greek tongue hath his name Apollyon. And one woe is past, and behold, there comes two more woes hereafter. And he goes into six of them. So there's a place here 
in, the, in, the, in Revelation where the earth opens up, in verse, I left that off in verse 4, and it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass and the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. Where do they come from? Verse 3, and there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth, and upon them was given power as scorpions of the, uh, of the earth have power. Let me just go back to the beginning. The fifth angel sounded. I saw a star, star fall from heaven unto the earth. Unto him was given the key of the bottomless pit. That's Satan. He has a season where he, he's allowed to open up the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit, and there arose smoke out of the pit as the smoke of a great furnace. What's in the bottomless pit? Angels reserved for judgment. And the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit, and there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth. And unto them was given power as scorpions of the earth have power. Okay, so they're stinging men and they're paralyzed, and you've got the picture. Right? I kind of read it all out of that when I was looking at that. But the point is simply this. There's something going on with these guys being in the world. It's not all one-third. So you still have a portion of the one-third that are able to. Now, you see in, in the ministry of Jesus, he, they said, hey, where are we going to go? Legion, where are you going to go? And he puts them into swine. The swine run into the, and then they immediately run into the lake and die. Well, then where do they go? They go right here. They're bound. So it seems as though there's a transition for angelic hosts. Like it's, it's, it's a fallen angel. They're free to move about in the, in, in the ocean like a fish in the second heaven. We even call astronauts like nautical. We use the term astronaut. So they're, 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 it's called, when you go in the read the Bible, the second heaven is often referred to as the deep. There's all kinds of creatures in the deep. One of the creatures in the deep is Leviathan. Satan has dominion in the second heaven. His fallen angels have dominion in the second heaven. But a portion of them, I'm just going to give you the cliff notes, a portion of them left their first estate, and they inhabit the earth. See Genesis 6. And you know what? They, they tried to do it even after the flood. That's why you have guys like Goliath. But their, their DNA doesn't last forever, right? So... That's why you have mounds all over Missouri. You got mounds. What's underneath those mounds? That's a good question. I'll probably dig it up. We're in the Air Force. So um, I'm just saying, there's a lot of weird stuff about mounds. But uh, anyway, that's another subject. I'm getting off on That sounds like a conspiracy. So let's just turn it. Let's just forget that for now. Uh, so they left their first estate. Uh, they created giants. I don't think it was just giant men or giant men. These were men of renown. These become the kings. You ever see the movie 300, Crazy and King? He's a giant guy. What's that all about? Because it's just a reflection. That's what all the Greek gods are about. The Greek gods are about fallen angels. So anyway, it all makes sense when you really put it together. These guys are reserved in chains. Uh, uh, First, second Peter talks about that. I don't have time to run those up maybe next week. And then, uh, and then they'll come out in Revelation chapter 9, I believe, and then they will be judged. And they'll go to the lake of fire along with Satan. Satan ultimately goes back and you read, ultimately, Satan ends up being like a lion. And you, you look at him and go, man, is this the guy that made the, the earth to tremble, the nations to shake? Is this what the, this silly serpent is? It's not silly. There's something about people that die, they become like a worm. They only die a few times. And they're always going to be very likely gone. And so I don't know what, that's, that's crazy. Satan is a bigger worm. That third was the snake. What God's referring to is where they end up. He acts like a snake, 
because eventually he will be like that. I think physically he'll be transformed to that. That great anointed cherub will end up like a snake rolling around on the head of Saul. Um, so, so that's how you have demonic possession. There's still activity. The angels inhabit. Uh, Satan is working all the time. Now, Satan in the middle of the tribulation, we just read it, he is forced to work at the midpoint. So that's a, that's a key part of the abomination of desolation. At least that's what I believe. And there's probably people that disagree with me. So I'm giving you what I believe is going to happen. It hasn't happened yet. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But when the abomination of desolation spoken by Daniel the prophet, remember Judas, it says Satan entered Judas. It says that. That he became Satan incarnate. He's called the son of perdition. Well, guess what? The Antichrist is called the son of perdition. It's done all these references. Second Thessalonians chapter 2. In the midpoint of the tribulation, the son of perdition, midpoint Daniel, the midpoint of the tribulation, the Antichrist is going to be inhabited. That's why he gets the keys of the bottomless pit. Jesus has the keys of the bottomless pit right now. He allows us to go to Satan so he can torment the earth. And he's going to be, when that happens, the reason that's important is once he goes down in the midpoint, we don't go back up. I don't believe. Maybe other people think here. I think he's, he's, he's made his commitment. And he's going to go, that's why he gets full court press the last three and a half years. Because now he is, the, this planet becomes, for what was a cosmic battle, it now comes ground zero between Satan and God and God's anointed. And so for the last three and a half years, that's what it's all about. And God just says, okay, I gave you your third and your third and your third. Now watch this. Boom. Every last, he pours out the vials and, and he comes back and puts, puts the wreath, takes names and goes all the way. And so, and so it's all about... Uh, Redemption of souls, that's what we're all about. Also, redemption of the earth, that's why the creation groans, waiting for the, the manifestation of the sons of God, because we have dominion. Adam was created to have dominion. Be fruitful, multiply, replenish. And then, of course, Adam and Eve, or uh, they were also to subdue the earth. Uh, and uh, why did they need to subdue it? Because it was getting out of control. So... chapter 9 after Noah comes back he gets the same Noah gets the same command in be fruitful multiply replenish the earth does that make sense okay that's a lot in a little bit of time I'm 10 minutes over 11 minutes over so forgive me for that uh, that's a lot to pack in but you kind of got to see the big picture to understand why they're reserved because God's got a plan for them I used to think they were just locked in chained and till the end and then I, as I was teaching Revelation a few times back I realized, oh, well, I get that. They're reserved under judgment. They're going to bring judgment, and then they're going to be judged. So some of them. And I don't have, I will, let me just be honest, too. I, I mean, I was going to be honest. Let me be transparent. I don't have perfect knowledge of the fallen angels. So there's probably all kinds of caveats to this. I'm still trying to needle out. But, but I'm giving you kind of a big overview picture and quick amount of time I can. All right. So you guys following? So going back to Jude, those wandering stars. That's what happens. And as in the days of Noah, I can't stop. i got to say this before I forget. As in the days of Noah and also Sodom and Gomorrah's midpoint, you see this sexual perversion. Who would have thought t 10 years ago anybody would have been confused over gender, his and hers? I mean, come on now. What is that? That's confusion. That's perversion. That's exactly where all this is going because the human genome is being tampered with or will be tampered with just like it was in Genesis 6. It says, as in the days of Noah, so shall it be with the coming of the Son of Man. So probably somewhere 
the Fung Lab, they're making super safe, or not super safe, super soldiers, uh, while tampering with the DNA, trying to create people that can, it's scary. Every look at what they're doing, it's scary. I mean, it's crazy some of the stuff they're doing. Guys, I've been involved in projects, this has been 30 years ago, where they're growing hybrid skins on Petri dishes uh, up here at Marion Labs. That project failed, so it's at Fung. But uh, it's just weird, man. Some of the stuff that they're doing is, it's pretty cool. You know, and some of it's cool. Medical technology, you squirt some, uh, what is it, stuff in someone's knee. Certainly we're trying to do that somewhere. And uh, stem cells, and next thing you know, your body starts repairing itself. And we got, we, we got way more technology in there for real. I'm just telling you. And, uh, and there's an, it, and I'd like to say it's going somewhere good, but it won't go anywhere good because men are falling. Right? And so that's where it's all going to go down. And so as in the days of Noah, remember that. So shall be in the coming of the Son of Man. So I don't know what we'll see with the Lord after this. And Enoch was pretty fired up. That was a long time before the coming of the, uh, the, coming of the flood. So it's not impossible. We, we, you know, I've always wondered that. Is it possible we see God? Is this possible? You know, the peace treaty hasn't fallen. You, I think it'll be out by the time the peace treaty with Revelation 6 appears, so it'll be out. The temple's ready. It's only taken like three days, I think, or three weeks, I'm sorry, to make it to the temple. It's pretty awesome. They've got the artifacts ready, so I think they'll be out. It won't take them long to get that temple ready. They got it up. So um, they've got the they're ready for these guys to figure out what's going to go down with this peace offering. So, yeah, I don't, I don't really know. I don't think we'll be here for the temple. Um, I think once the Antichrist makes peace, um, then we'll be out. We may be out even before that. Uh, there's nothing saying that, you know, whenever the rapture is going to happen any time, and then he could put any amount of time he wants to turn it off to come back and start it through the church. There's nothing forbidding that, but I don't think there will be. I got a feeling it'll be pretty, it'll probably hit pretty hard. It'll probably be all even harder yet in the meantime but um, you know it'll probably there'll be some rapture in the meantime and what we can like come out of it and things will be it'll you know it'll be and another thing is if we continue like this I would not be surprised if there isn't as many Christians we go if the Lord tarries another you know 20, 30, 40 years and we continue at the pace that we are um, you know there'll be a lot of people that aren't even saved it'll be pretty bad it'll be like Noah it may not be, we always thought, oh, claims against all this guy, this, that, and the other. And, well, yeah, maybe today if the rapture happens. But if, if we keep going like this and we're not preaching the gospel throughout, it's going to be, it's pretty bad. Because the rapture is a failure, at least, if that's not accomplishing the mission of God. Because we should be making sons of God out of everybody that's ready to go, go share and teach all nations. Which gets me back to what I said. That's what drives me as a pastor, knowing that that is the mission. The mission is to make spiritual sons of God while we have time. Because once we're taken out, it's over. There's no more opportunity. And so it's like the reflection of economy, physical, uh, physical resurrection, physical reproduction. We talked about that a few weeks ago. And the whole thing is about what God's going to do for us uh, to make the sun, the, the seed of Abraham, like the stars of the heaven and the, and the sands of the sea. All right. That's a lot. Let's close and then we're way over now. Heavenly Father, thank you for those.